in time when this was written, Lord's Supper would have been a well-practiced uh, and uh, understood aspect of worship by that time. So going back to, I wanted to touch briefly back on chapter 13 that we, we had read through last week on some important lessons that Jesus taught uh, us in that, in that section. Uh, Jesus wash, washing the disciples' feet uh, is an important lesson to every Christian. <clears throat> but during that time, he was teaching his disciples that if they wanted to be somebody great in the kingdom, they were going to need to deny self and be humble. In most cultures, but even the, especially the culture of that time, uh, bringing oneself down to the level of a slave or somebody that was subservient was unthinkable. It was something that was not to be obtained, not to be desired, just like it is in, again, most every culture. Uh, obviously, it's an important lesson that every human needs to learn um, and we, we do in a different way because our culture is, again, different. But every human has um, pride issues. We all want to think highly of ourselves and not lower of ourselves. We always want to exalt ourselves uh, above others. Um, and that's something that we're supposed to be counter, countering is that desire in ourselves to do that. So... Um, in our culture today, the big push is um, focusing on oneself, right? Doing what makes us happy. That's what we see throughout the world. Um, but especially here is all about uh, being a little more self-centered and uh, focusing on, on our, our likes, focusing on our desires, and following those those desires to try to attain to attain whatever we can to improve ourselves in this world, and so that's what the world's pushing pretty hard, and that's what's pushing on us, on our children, and things that we need to make sure to to try to encounter. And it's something that we need to remind ourselves that that. Uh, the purpose of us being here daily, so that way we can counter that. That's not why we're here, is to, to, to focus on ourselves and exalt ourselves. I know I used to, it kind of makes me think about uh, when I was younger, right? During my, my period of life uh, in high school and in college, uh, before marriage, um, that section of time uh, is a perfect time to to grow. Uh, it's before you get uh, responsibilities and obligations, and it's a perfect time to grow in, an, not what the world pushes, not just grow in knowing yourself or, or uh, doing things for yourself, uh, but growing in our relationship with God and our fellow men. Uh, there's so much free time and so much energy that could be used in glorifying God, and that's something that we should be encouraging our our youth uh, to do. And so I, I urge you, parents and grandparents, um, if you have children in those ages, um, to to encourage them for that purpose, 
and not to and again you're countering what the world's teaching them to use that time for themselves and to use that time to be selfish and and travel the world and and do things that um can be good right can be useful but sometimes they leave out that aspect of using whatever they're doing to glorify god and using it for his glory so in that 13 down in verse 17 we see that uh, understanding these concepts um let me flip back over here there you go we see that understanding these concepts uh, are inadequate just understanding them is inadequate but doing them is necessary understanding that uh, uh you know we're we are to be humbling ourselves and then actually doing it is important there are so many other scriptures uh, in, in ways that the Bible gives us that concept, that it expresses that concept to us. Uh, a simple one is in James. We are to be doers of the word, not only hearers, right? We continue on in 13, seeing uh, that Judas, instead of resisting the devil, uh, he lets him into his heart, that he um, just gives in to his uh, his greed, his uh, pride, and whatever else is affecting his heart. Uh, he is, he's completely allowing that. And we know that um, because this isn't a sudden change for Judas. He, he was already stealing money uh, from, the, from the money box, right? He, was, uh, he had already made plans with the Jewish leaders at this time to betray Jesus. Even then, though, even then at this point, we see that Jesus, uh, he had control. He had control um, about this whole thing. And uh, once Jesus saw that Judas had made his decision and there was no turning back for Judas, uh, that he wasn't going to be able to change his mind, he gave him the instructions to carry it out. Do what you, what, do what you were coming to do. Carry out what he was planning. And we see that Jesus is not, he's not the victim of this situation, right? But he was a willing participant. We see that control that he had. Another important lesson in verse 31, uh, we see Jesus giving a new commandment. We know that we are to love God. We know that we are to love, uh, you know, God with all of our, um, heart, mind, soul, strength. And we also know that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Again, all the law is hanging upon those two um, commandments. So how is this a new commandment to love? We see that we're not only to love one another as ourselves, but we are to love as Jesus loves, which is even more than just that. And especially to uh, other followers of Jesus, we see. Other disciples. And then that leads us into chapter 14. And what we'll be doing today is, I've been breaking it up in smaller sections, but since we're going to be briefly going through, uh, a lot more quickly going through the chapters, um, I still want to read it because I think the scripture speaks for itself more than I can ever say anything about it. But So we'll be reading each chapter, and at the end, uh, we'll look at a couple of the lessons in those chapters, and then continue. So chapter 14, 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may also may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the work themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. The greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will, also, will live also. And the day that you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has uh, my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will be, uh, you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave to you, leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you, uh, much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and that the Father gave me a commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. So, if you remember, um, in chapter, we ended at chapter 13 with uh, Jesus saying that he was going to be leaving them, and then they were not going to be able to follow. He knew that that message was troubling to them. Uh, anytime somebody who you uh, are discipling, uh, that's troubling to have that mentor um, stop that mentorship. It's a, it's a hard time, and he knew that was troubling to them. And he was reassuring them in this section that there was a reason for that leaving, to, to prepare a home for them. Again, uh, that's something that the, the Jewish groom typically went and did for his bride before they were married. He went and prepared a home, so that way when they were married, he had something to bring her home to. And so he's giving them that concept. He's relating that concept to that. He uh, he was going to be able to. He was preparing a home that was going to be able to fit all of those people who followed him. And he also comforted them by telling them about the Holy Spirit and how that was going to be with them until he returned. He clarified that to get to the Father. He was the only way. He was not there to just show the way. He was that way. He's that connection between that Father and us. He's that mediator. The truth, he continued uh, to tell us about. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my paper here. The truth, he was the way, again, the way and the truth. He only spoke truth. And that's God's truth, the only truth that matters. The only truth that is eternal, that leads to eternal life. And he is, through him, is that eternal life. He's the giver of that gift. He added, the more we know Jesus, the more we know the Father. He continues, um, he's been saying that for a while now. Uh, that he is a mirror image of the Father. Again, it's yet another way that the, uh, the scriptures, when we go through them and when we learn them, how they enhance our relationship with the Father. Because we see uh, those great characteristics and attributes of our Creator. Everything uh, that Jesus said and did through his life was consistent with the Father. Jesus aligned himself so much up with God's will that uh, it was like looking in a mirror uh, to, again, our creator. And Jesus, at this point, was instructing them to do the same, 
to be a mere image of him since he was a mere image of the Father. And we are to, to do the same. We're to align ourselves up with Jesus so that we may be in the image of Jesus. Verse 13 that we read um, is connecting those previous, again, it's connecting those previous uh, verses, talking about the prayers that are done in his name. Again, those prayers that are to be done in his name, the meaning is to be aligning ourselves to who Jesus was and who he stood for. So when we pray, that's what is needed for it to be an effective prayer in our prayer life and in, in our life as general. When we align ourselves up to God's will, uh, that is, um, again, how to be an effective Christian. Again, that's that self-denial and that humility and that obedience that we see that we're told to, to do. In verse uh, 15, we see that there's a vital link between our love for Jesus and our, our obedience, which is, throughout all this book, we see that connection. And we also see that because of, uh, in that verse, because of the disciples' love and obedience, they will receive the Helper, the Spirit of Truth. This chapter is ended by the Passover meal ending. And then them leaving to make their way to, and work their way down to the Mount of Olives. And then on their way to that Mount of Olives, um, an allegory involving vines come up, and that's what we're going to see in, in chapter 15. So let's go ahead and read that. Chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I had spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than you lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, 
For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. The world hates you. You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, and the world would love its own, yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I have not done them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. There are many uh, that believe that if you are a true believer, you will always follow God and not fall away. Essentially, you won't even have an option of falling away. If that was the case, then why uh, would Jesus and the inspired writers of the Bible not... Why do they continue to encourage the followers of God to continue to walk faithfully? Uh, again, God wants all to be saved. And uh, he gives them uh, the way how to and en- encourages them to continue in that faithful walk. So we see that there is, I mean, you can be saved and then can fall away uh, from God. Here, Jesus is telling his disciples to abide in him. And then tells them what will happen if they stop abiding in him. We continue uh, to see that our salvation is optional and conditional. We have to choose to accept the salvation and a choice to continue under it. If we choose to continue, if we choose salvation and uh, continue to choose salvation then we can have Jesus' joy. He gives us that promise. And remember, uh, we've talked about joy before, uh, but it's not just a, a superficial happiness, right? It is a deep joy that is always with us, no matter what temporary emotions um, come up in our lives that we experience. 
I don't know if, if you guys have ever seen, I think it was Pixar that made the movie Inside Out. Um, but that was a good, that was a good explanation of some of those concepts. Uh, there are so many things that people go through throughout their life. So many trials and tribulations. Um, obviously, we go through the range of emotions throughout our life. But because of God, throughout all of that, we are able to have joy. Um, that is... Uh, we, there are so many people in the, in the earth that are put through, through so much... Um, we are pretty fortunate that we live in a time and a place where, where we do. We don't have um, sickness and death as much as they have in the past. Um, losing um, children of all ages was pretty common. And thankfully that's much more rare than it is now. It still happens. But um, that would be very hard to go through and to see and to have that joy during those times. Uh, even when family members die and pass, uh, again, that's, that's difficult. But we know that because of God, those moments should have a, an aspect of joy to them. Even though we're in that um, state of grief, we can still grieve and have that joy. We can still be sad in our lives when things come up and have that joy. Um, There, there are places all over the world where Christians, Christian families are torn apart and throughout history and tortured and killed and sometimes in front of each other. Um, and that would be very difficult. And again, thankfully, that's much more rare than it is common, but um, it still happens. It's, it would be difficult to remember to have joy during those times because of they're still attaining that goal, even though it's through a hard way, but the reward is so much greater than any trials or tribulations that we go through. Even though the world may hate us, just like he's teaching them, the world may hate them, we can have comfort in knowing that it hated and hates our Savior. Even with all that, even with all of that hate, uh, flowing toward God and, and His followers, uh, we're not instructed to reciprocate that emotion, but to continue in love. Love God, love Jesus, love the brethren, love your neighbor, and yes, even love our enemies. Now, lead us to chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known me, excuse me, not have known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me.
and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts, your heart. Nevertheless, I tell the tr- tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, will make um, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father have has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take care of mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Uh, Excuse me, you will not see me. And then a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is it that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will keep, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy will no, uh, your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I will, and I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came forth from God I came forth from the Father and I've come into the world again I leave the world to go to the Father the disciples said to him see now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, 
each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because my Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that you in me may, uh, excuse me, that in me you may have peace. The world will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are continuing uh, throughout the past chapters in this chapter to see Jesus continuing talking about his trials that were to come. Again, preparing his disciples about it and reassuring them about the gift that's going to be given to them after it. We see that gift and the Holy Spirit is going to lead them into all truth, right? He gave them that significant warning of what was to come so they weren't caught off guard by it. So they were again prepared for it. But at the same time with that significant warning, he's giving those comforting words uh, and thoughts to help them through it. And those comforting words should be comforting to us also through whatever we may be going through. He told them that so that they wouldn't stumble and fall. That's what he said. He didn't want them to stumble and fall away because they were going to be put through a lot. There were going to be people. He he warns them about um, how there were going to be people that were going to be killing Christians, thinking that they were serving God. We see, uh, you know, obviously Paul immediately comes to mind. Saul to Paul comes to mind in that, uh, that warning. But... No matter what, Jesus uh, left them with a message that um, is a message that he left for us also. It's the same message, again, that um, was the purpose of the last book of the Bible, Revelation. That same, again, that same message they left for us, that Jesus, he overcame the world. He wins, Right? Remember Tony's uh, uh, lessons on Revelation? That was the ultimate, and when we read the resume, that's the ultimate message that he wanted to leave, is that he wins. And because he wins, we win. His disciples, his followers win. Overcomes the world. Overcomes any obstacles. That leads us to the next chapter. Jesus... Um, this next chapter is Jesus' prayer. He's going to be praying, and when I think we'll be getting pretty close to um, finishing class here, but hopefully we can get through 18 also. But we see that he's not going to be only praying for himself. If you can imagine knowing that you're about to be crucified in such a way that he was going to, and, and whatever else um, that he was going to have to be put through for us, um, it would be difficult to think about other people at that time. Um, so he prays. We see that he prays for himself. Um, more praying for himself to keep uh, with God. But he also prays for his disciples. Disciples that were with him. And then also his followers. He prays for all of us during that time. And it's a pretty powerful prayer. So let's go ahead and read through that. 
Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with you. With yourself and glorify which I have, uh, which I have had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be as we are, one, as we are. May may they be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave I have kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now... I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for these who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one uh, one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared them to your name, and I will declare it, that the love with uh, which you love me may be with them, and I in them. So a pretty powerful prayer. Again, um... Only hours before his crucifixion, he was not only thinking about himself and what uh, 
more about himself and his relationship with God and how he's glorifying him, but about his, um, those who were going to be left behind and what they were going to be put through. And he was praying for them. One of his requests is that we are united. That we are one. That we as the body are one as he is one with God. Can we agree to come together to align ourselves with uh, God's desires and being one? I understand that that much is much harder to do than to say, but let us continually strive for that goal to again align ourselves with one, and then in that in that process, uh, becoming one with another. Uh, to again for the glory of God and for. Uh, his desire, his purpose for us. That will close, and uh, we will continue on with 18 next week. Thank you.